0: morning everyone welcome to restoration my name is john i'm one of the pastors here it's great to be with you all this sunday morning whether you're uh, a longtime member here whether you're visiting um, whether you're uh, watching online we're thankful that you're here to join us for worship Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks we've been doing a series on the vision of restoration who are we what are we about how do we do those things Specifically, we focused on this idea of the church as being an embodied community. In other words, not a disconnected group of individual souls, but instead a connected community, embodied people who are both body and soul, knit together in a community. And so over the last two weeks, Pastor Dan's talked about the gospel the message of Jesus, the foundation of our embodied community. And then he's also talked about the way that our gathered worship service here Sunday mornings impacts that embodied community. Now, growing up, I wouldn't have really had a category for this conversation about an embodied community. Now, I grew up in a Christian home, and maybe like many of you, many of you heard things like this. None of the physical world matters because everything's going to burn one day. Or all that matters is God's word and people's souls. So those are the things that we should really focus on. And this is a common view amongst many Christians. The idea that we believe the gospel, we become Christians, and then we're just sort of hanging around until Jesus comes back. So we have spiritual faith over here, and then we have physical life and the world we live in over here, and maybe they kind of intersect on Sunday morning, but that's about it. And so we think that we become Christians, we become followers of Jesus, and then we're sort of stuck in this spiritual holding pattern, just waiting until we finally get to go to heaven one day. This morning I want us to see that the Bible doesn't really talk about us that way. It doesn't present this idea that the the spiritual is all that matters and that the physical is just temporary and isn't important. The Bible, specifically the verses that we looked at and already read this morning in Philippians, talk about something called transformation. When you become a Christian, when you believe the gospel, when you follow Jesus, God actually begins to change you, to transform you. So this morning we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to look at what is transformation, how does it happen, and then how it specifically happens here at this church. What are some of the ways in which we do that? So what is transformation, how does it happen, and then how does it happen here? So first, what is transformation? Look back with me. Again, at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And we're going to look at the way that Paul describes it. So he begins by reminding the Philippians of the gospel. This is what he says. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Essentially, if the gospel is present among you and your community, if you're in Jesus, If you have his spirit, the Holy Spirit, then, verse 2, have the same mind, the same love, be of full accord and one mind. So according to Paul here, this idea of change or transformation, it begins with the gospel and community. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we not only enter into that relationship, we also enter in a relationship with his body, the church, the community of other Jesus followers. Notice those words throughout the first couple of verses: encouragement, comfort, love, participation, full accord, same mind, one mind. There's this idea of community built into those words. Spiritual transformation is not possible without a foundation in the message of Jesus and the community of Jesus being around you. So that's why the last two weeks, Pastor Dan talked about the gospel and about worship, the gathered community of God's people. We have to be grounded in community and the gospel for transformation to happen. But what does transformation mean? What is it that happens? How do we actually change what's happening to us as we follow Jesus? Well, let's look at the next few verses, verse three through five. This is what Paul says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Transformation is nothing less than you and I being changed to be more like Jesus. Paul says that we've been given Jesus' heart, we've been given Jesus' mind, we've been given Jesus' spirit, and so now we are being transformed into being people like him. In 2 Corinthians, a few books later, Paul says that if you're in Jesus, you are a new creation. Something new is happening to you. If you're here this morning and you're someone who follows Jesus, he is doing something to you. He's making you into a new creation. He's making you into a person like him. Now, for a long time, if you would have asked me in my life, what that means to be made into a new creation, to be made into a person that's more like Jesus, I would have essentially said, well, that means he makes me into a better rule follower. Jesus died because of all the bad things I do, all the rules I break, all the commands I don't follow, and he heals me of that, so now I need to do good things. Now I need to follow the rules. Now I need to obey the commandments. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that obedience, rule following, what we call holiness, obeying God's laws and commands is a bad thing. It is absolutely not a bad thing. In fact, Jesus was the most obedient, the most holy. So if we're becoming like him, then we are going to grow in obeying God's commands. We are going to grow In following God in that way. But I want you to hear this morning that becoming a new creation is so much more than that. If you look back at those first five verses, how much of them have to do with obeying rules and how much of them have to do with humility and love and other-centeredness You see, God gives us rules, he gives us laws, and he gives us commands because he loves us. Because those rules and those laws and those commands are good for us and for our thriving, and they point us towards humility and love and others. They call us to be a blessing to those who are around us. Because the work of Jesus, the work that he did in the world and is still doing, is a redemptive work of the entire creation. Jesus' work is an overflow of his love because all of creation belongs to him. And he wants to see it all redeemed and restored. And so what he does is he begins that work in you and me. He begins redemptive work in us redeeming us from sin making us righteous restoring us to a right relationship of love with our father and then he transforms us into people like him and what would a person like him do in the world they would be the same kind of redemptive restorative agent in the world that he was So, Jesus did not die to save us from sin and then expect us to just sort of wait around until he comes back. No, instead, he then transforms each one of us into agents of his redemptive work in the world. Imagine if every person in this church was becoming a person more and more like Jesus in that way, more comforting more loving, more sympathetic, more affectionate, more humble, more aware of the interests of others, more of all those things that Paul lays out earlier. More like Jesus. What would our families, our friends, our workplaces, our neighborhoods look like if each of us were these kind of redemptive agents for Jesus in all the places that he's placed us in the world? That's what Jesus is transforming us into now I want to take a second and illustrate this in a kind of a humorous way you already see transformation happen in our church in a smaller different way last week Dan talked a little bit about baseball he talked about the Cardinals and the Cubs and you don't have to know much about baseball to know that those two teams in St. Louis and Chicago are major rivals and here we are a church in St. Louis But you don't have to spend much time here to begin seeing kids running around in cubs gear cubs hats and shirts even masks and i know these kids don't live in chicago i know they've never lived in chicago but here they are advocates for agents for cub fandom they're wearing the gear they're cheering for the cubs they're arguing for the greatness Of the Cubs, if you sit down and talk baseball with them, they're gonna try to convince you that the Cubs are the best team in the world. So, how did that happen here in St. Louis? Well, because they were born into Cubs families. Their parents love the Cubs. And that family, that love for that thing, is transforming these kids into little Cubs fans even in the middle of St. Louis. And so they're going to grow up being advocates for, being agents for the Cubs. And on a much greater scale, that's the kind of thing that Jesus is doing in us. We're born into a Jesus family. And so he's turning us into Jesus people, people that are advocates and agents for his redemptive work in the world when we become christians we're born into that new family and then we're transformed into looking like that family which is the community of jesus and his body so we need to ask ourselves is that what we're signed up for how am i being transformed by jesus where does he want to transform me that i'm pushing back against i'm fighting him Where areas that I need transformation? Is our church being transformed? And then finally, how are we in our church then called to bring redemption into the world in all the places where we have influence? So if our first point was, what is transformation? The second point is, how does it happen? Well, I've already mentioned the need that Dan talked about the last couple weeks, the need to be rooted in the gospel, the need to live life in a community, in a Jesus family. But at the end of the day, who's in charge of transformation? Who actually makes it happen? Well, our two verses this morning, chapter 1, verse 6, and chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, give us an answer. 1-6, Paul says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The best news for us is that transformation is a promised work of Jesus. In fact, it's actually not possible to become a follower of Jesus and not be changed into a person like Jesus. Now, the difficult part about that, is it doesn't tell us how quickly that's going to happen. It's a promise that it is going to happen. Paul says, I'm sure of this. He will bring it to completion. But the pace of that transformation isn't told to us. Now, why is that? It would make sense if Paul would lay out like a detailed plan for us to show us how quickly we're going to be changed. That could be helpful, right? To know what to look for, what God's doing, and how quick he's going to do it. We do that in other areas of life, right, over at the seminary. We have a lot of seminary students here, and they, they get a degree plan, and that degree plan tells them what classes they have to take every semester and when they have to take it, what they take before another class, how quickly they should be progressing through that degree plan. And so they have certain goals and certain markers that they have to meet. And that degree plan is designed to shape them into something, to transform them. So, why, do, why doesn't the Bible give us something like that? Well, I actually think that it does. If you look back at that first part of chapter two that we read earlier, those are markers that Paul is giving us to know how transformation is going in our lives. Are we growing? Are you growing in humility? And love? Are you growing in affection and sympathy? Are you growing in unity? Are you growing in looking out for the interests of others? Later in Galatians, Paul says that we should be seeing what, what he calls the fruits of the Spirit love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Are these things growing in your life? Are they growing in the life of our church? Those are the markers of spiritual transformation. So God promises to transform us. But just like those students at the seminary can't just show up with a degree plan in hand. They actually have to engage in the work of that degree program. In the same way, we are actually involved in the transformation that God's doing in us. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, in our circles, we're a little bit allergic to that word work when it comes to our faith. But in the Greek, there's not much confusion about that word. It means work, effort, strive, do, Paul really is saying there is work on our end involved in spiritual transformation. Now, make sure you pay attention to the word order here, though. The first thing he does is he calls them beloved. We know from earlier that Paul is talking here to people that are already Christians. So this work that he's talking about isn't work that's required to become a Christian or to earn salvation. That's already been done by Jesus. This is the work of transformation that God's doing, and Paul says we're also involved in. Verse 13 says that we're able to work out our salvation because it's God who works in us. So we're presented with this paradox. God is transforming us and promises to transform us, and we're called to be involved in that transformation ourselves. So that leads us to asking, how does that happen here at Restoration? What does it look like for us to join in the transformation that God wants to produce in each one of us? Now again, Dan talked the last couple weeks about two of the keys to that. Being rooted in the gospel. Placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Committed to corporate worship being here on Sunday mornings. If you missed either of those sermons, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them. We believe that a commitment to being here on Sunday mornings to what we call corporate worship is the number one place of transformation. So if you're going to be committed to anything at our church at Restoration, Sunday morning, Sunday worship is priority number one. But what else do we have going on? We're going to walk through some of these things. And and as I do that, as I present some of the practical ways that you can be involved here at Restoration, I want you to remember that we've created all of these programs and events and structures not randomly. We don't just have stuff so that we can say, hey, we're a church with cool programs. You should go to this. You should go to this. And we just want stuff for you to do. We've designed all of these things to help create a greenhouse for growth. To create an avenue for God's transformative work to happen in your lives. So take these things seriously. We really, have, we really want you engaged and involved in these because we believe they're part of your spiritual transformation. So we've already talked about community a little bit. We've talked about the need to be rooted in a community and how foundational that is to transformation. And of course, that's present here on Sunday mornings. But it's not always easy to connect with people Here on Sunday mornings, or at least not to connect at a a deeper level. So one of our foundational structures is community groups. Our community groups are designed for connection and care in our church. They're places where the leaders are intentionally thinking about how to help community group members connect with one another. They're the main touch point for care in our church. Leaders are are inviting members into the larger life of the church and they're caring for the most visible, immediate needs in those community group members' lives. Community group is probably the next most important commitment after Sunday morning that we would encourage people to be part of because it's the place where you have an opportunity for deeper life-on-life relationships and connection that we believe is so important when you're part of a community of Jesus followers and these groups are intergenerational we value people of all ages and all stages of life connecting in our church that includes the kids and the youth so you cannot be too old or too young for a community group at restoration we have some handouts in the lobby about some opportunities to join community groups there'll be a sign-up link on there and then Jenny Lynn's gonna send an email out tonight Where if you're not in a community group yet and you have an interest in being in one, you can sign up for that. But we don't just value Life on Life Connection in community groups. We also recognize the importance of spending time reading and studying God's Word, the Bible, together. God's Word applied to your heart by the Spirit is one of the main agents of transformation. In fact, Jesus himself says that his word is our spiritual food. Now, of course, that begins with being here for the liturgy and the sermon on Sunday mornings. But we also believe that studying the Bible together individually and corporately is of incredible importance. So, We have several ways to help get the Bible into your lives. First, we have a daily Bible reading plan. We believe that developing a habit of individually reading the Bible is vitally important to your transformation. And we'd encourage you, even from that, to begin text groups or meeting with community group members or meeting with other friends in the church to read the Bible together and to reflect on it, to connect over it. We want you to come up with creative ways to study God's Word and to reflect on it in the middle of community. And as a side note, you know, we've had this daily Bible reading plan got introduced in January. We know some of you have started it and then stopped. Some of you never started it. That can be intimidating then to think like, well, do I have to catch up? I can't get back into it. I'm too far behind. You don't need to worry about any of that. Just start with whatever passage is next and jump in because we really value you being in God's word together. We also have ACE classes adult Christian education. These are typically every four to eight weeks and they focus on a variety of different topics. Sometimes it can be a seminary professor that comes in and gives us a context and overview of a, of, a Bible, of a book in the Bible that we're about to start in that daily Bible reading plan. At other times, we engage cultural issues or topics that are in the conversation in our world today because we, de- we value developing your ability To think about a cultural issue and to then wisely apply God's word to that issue or that idea or that worldview. We We want you each to develop the ability to biblically affirm and challenge ideas and worldviews in our world today. This helps you think through the issues and it also helps you then to engage people in your world in a winsome but biblical way about real world conversations. And because we value our corporate time in the Bible not just our individual time this fall we're beginning a Bible study. Every Wednesday night it's going to rotate women's, men's, women's, men's every week of the year. We're going to look at various different parts of the book of Luke this year to get a better idea of Jesus' heart of grace towards people because we want to be Jesus' people. We want this time to be about 45 minutes of teaching with some discussion, but then 45 minutes of breakout groups where you can discuss both the lesson but also begin to share life together. We want those groups to be consistent every, uh, every time. So we'd love for as many of you as possible to sign up for that ahead of time. That doesn't mean you can't decide later on that you want to come to the Bible study or attend it or whatever. But we'd love for as many as possible to sign up first so we can create those breakout groups and you can see the same people every time and begin to share life and get to know people. Again, there's a handout in the lobby with a link to do that, as well as an email that will be coming tonight to sign up for that. And then finally, because we believe in God's covenant promises for the children of our church, We value the kids and the youth. Zach's going to talk next week about some of the great programs and events that we have that are designed for the kids in the same way, gospel, community, and transformation. So come back next week and hear Pastor Zach share about that. But I want to end by noting that none of these things that I've shared this morning, these things that you can potentially get involved with, are closed to anyone in our church. We value and encourage church membership. We can have a conversation about why that is and what that is anytime you want. But everything we've said this morning is open to everyone at our church, not just members or leaders. And we'd encourage you to also invite people outside of our church to be part of some of these things. Some people might be open to coming on Sunday morning to the worship service or to the Bible study. Other people might be more comfortable just coming to your community group or going to a men's or women's event. We've created all these things to help your spiritual transformation, but also as a way to help you be redemptive agents of Jesus to your friends and your family, your neighbors and your co-workers. We're thankful that all of you have chosen to be part of this church or to visit this church or to worship with us. It's a privilege for the pastors and the staff And the leaders to be part of the transformative work that God's doing in each of your lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, that you really do want to transform us, that you really do want to make us into people like Jesus. We're thankful for that because he was the most loving, the most humble, the most caring, the most truthful and gracious person ever to be a person like him is a privilege but we can't do that without your spirit so god help us to love and trust in jesus to be changed by jesus so that we might see the world changed by your grace in your name we pray amen